you're listening to Death of the Reader. This is Flex and Hertz here on your Murder Mystery World Tour. We are talking Niall Marsh and Stella Duffy's Money in the Morgue. That's the one. Today we are talking chapters 12 to 23. I am the fresh meat who has to come in here and solve that. I'm very scared. I know you are. I am genuinely <laughs> very concerned about this we, one. We were just talking before we went live that I have stopped the story at a point where there may there may not even be enough clues to solve the mystery, but I know that Flex here is a <laughs> champion of this stuff. He is he is the veteran of our hearts, let's say. Yep. Uh, I think that if we were to go any further forward, it would just be too easy for you. So we've stopped here at the end of chapter 23. See what you've got. See if you can figure out everything. All righty. Well, Herds, I think first of all, before we get into our normal, uh, yeah. uh, our normal rubbish about uh-huh. about you know the story, uh-huh. I want to start off with saying I think there are two different crimes going on here. Sure. We'll get into those coming up in the last part say, of the show today. Sure, that's a good throw forward. That I is, like that. That is my premise for everything I'm going to be saying today. Okay. I love these interrogation scenes. Oh, they're perfect, aren't they? They're, they're just so oh, good. They're so well paced. That was That is the number one thing I will say about these interrogation scenes is that when we're dealing with someone who's really uppity and really talkative, it's like lightning, you yeah. know, watching Mr. Glossop go... Um, watching these characters like go back and forth mm-hmm. and back and forth, but then there are these really tense scenes, like the interrogation with Rosamond, who's like, "Ah, detective, a pleasure to meet you. Come into my garden, let us have a battle of wits." And then there's the conversations with Sarah Warren and the Doctor, where Alan specifically takes these characters to you know. He says, "Where would you like to to have a chat with me? Would you like to sit down and have a couple of tea? Shall we go for a walk?" And those scenes are just so slow and carefully paced. I. I'm 100% with you. I think that the the strongest part of this novel is this central section yep. going over these different characters and getting to know them in a very intimate and personal way. I love it. I particularly love the way that Alan juggles being, or and the way that Duffy juggles Alan, mm. being either forwards in his interrogations or just letting the person talk. Because yep. for people like Glossop, they just go. <laughs> and he just occasionally has to throw in the odd line here and there. Whereas, you know, other people, he really needs to work it out of them, particularly when he's talking with Hughes about his trauma from the war. Yep, yep. The way that that scene is conveyed so that Alan is, you know, being sensitive but still pressing is so well juggled. Yes, and this, of course, is one of the themes of the book is that there are, there are characters who they have a duty to perform, but they don't necessarily want to do it. Alan, obviously, like he is a detective. It's his job to figure out what's going on. But really, he just wants to get back to this like Japanese sub business. He doesn't want to have to like prime the, the life of a potentially innocent young woman. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that. Just like how the doctor doesn't want to like go back to war, but also regrets being away from the front because he can't support his comrades. And 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 Rosamond and Sarah, they have their like duties. And even the soldiers have like women they're looking to like care after in this novel. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think particularly when we look at the first 11 chapters and how those were a bit slower and a bit, you know, a bit tougher to get through. Yes. They nicely come back around in here where when mm. we're getting to explore all of the characters' motivations, we get to see, you know, Glossop's kind of weird <laughs> attitudes to women come around and talk more about his life lonely on the road. And, you know, everything that was set up is used again. 
Yeah. And I, you know, obviously that's just a, a, a sign of good writing, mm-hmm. but it is so effective. Yeah. It's like one of those TV shows that, you know, it takes three or four seasons to get good, but when it gets good, it gets really good, you know? I think it's a bit better <laughs> than that, you know? It is. I'm exaggerating for but effect, yeah. but yeah. I, I, I really particularly love just how all of the characters always have this tension as well mm. about being locked in the transport yes, office. Yes. Because, you know, supposedly there's a, maybe a murderer amongst them. Supposedly there's maybe a thief amongst them. Mm. And, you know, obviously the locking everyone in with each other is a, you know, iconic play of the murder mystery genre. Mm. But I like that because Alan is constantly having to bring them out and wander them around the yard and the soldiers are still there and there's still a lot going on on the site, mm. it really changes the dynamic of everyone being in that office. Yep. He has to check back and forth to make sure that nobody's left and that his trust isn't being betrayed. And, and that is a particularly interesting kind of note there that he... The, the transport officer's, uh, you know, situation changes because when Sergeant Bix is there, he leaves the door unlocked. But when Sergeant Bix is not there, he 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 leaves it locked. Um, and so there may be some opportunity there for some skullduggery, for some for some shams. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to dig into that in the latter half of the show, but there might be something there. By the way, Sergeant Bix, our Watson, he is the most eager beaver I have seen on this show. I know, um, and I love it. It's like a breath of, of fresh mm. air. You know, he's essentially been conscripted to be the Watson for the scenario. Um, he's not one of our you know long-standing characters. You know, he's no Archie Goodwin or, or you know actual Watson or Fox or Fox and. That it's as well as a nice little nuance there, um, and it's always kind of a sad thing being a novel written, you know, after Noah Marsh's death. Calling back to you know, there's Troy who um, uh, is is um, Alan's you know lover who he can never seem to find the right words for, mm. and Fox who he misses dearly. It's the same sort of same sort of vibe there, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, but Bix will have to do, and Bix is a go-getter. He is willing to throw himself into danger and possible injury and and even even suspicion, I would yeah. say, uh, for the situation because he's just so thrilled to be there. I think there's something very interesting to be said for the role of a Watson-like Bix because Watson, that character archetype, is the audience's in-man. When we yep. look at Knox's rules, the idea that the Watson must be like slightly but very slightly below the intelligence of the average reader there's something also compelling about the fact that, you know, Stella Duffy as a New Zealander wrote a New Zealander um, Watson for her story so that we have even more of an in for how she as the author is perceiving these things. And I think that it, you know, it's a very compelling way, particularly for what is effectively the 33rd entry in a series Mm. of looking in and, you know, rebuilding the role of the Watson to something that is, you know, applicable, especially for a modern writer writing an old style book. You need that kind of middle ground, which is what Bix serves as. Absolutely. She is in many ways her own insert as a character who gets to help out, you know, Bix gets to help out with solving a murder. Yeah. And Solidophy gets to assist with bringing this long abandoned story to life. Yeah. I'm sure um, that the enthusiasm yeah. that Duffy felt in getting to work on one of her heroes Absolutely. books is much the same as yeah. Bix would feel getting it's, to work with it's, Alan. It's no mistake. I think, or perhaps it's fate that this, the excitement that Bix feels comes to a, uh, to the forefront in the morgue, the place where like the dead are and where, you know, all this, all this, uh, kind of mystery is being mm. brought to a front. Um, as he helps Alan investigate the the tunnels, apparently, that exist under the morgue, question yes. mark? It's a whole thing, yeah. I'm a little curious, because you did mention that the, the next chapters kind of start to make things a bit too obvious getting into this mystery. Yes. 
And I'm a little confused because I thought getting up to this point in the story that the tunnels would be what was that reveal. Because, you know, no, it's mentioned no. in like chapter four that there are quote unquote tunnels running all over the place. Mm. Um, but, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's a throwaway mention. It's going to come back a bit later. But then it kind of gets dropped and, you know, we pay a visit to the morgue and there's tunnels everywhere. And mm. I thought that that was probably what was going to be like the opening reveal of the third act. But no. I'm a little confused. No, it's just there. Well, that's that's one of the very strange things because if we're talking about Knox's rules, you know, there can be only one secret passage. Like, it seems like we've opened up the, the Pandora's box of secret passages. Yes. Um, we have this apparent network that runs all the way underneath the hospital and possibly even further. Uh, it, it seems to, especially when you think about the idea of the, the locked room, quote unquote, of like the safe yeah. um, and the matron's office, like it seems like it could bust that wide open potentially mm-hmm. um, because we just have this secret passage that goes wherever we need it to. Um, it is a very strange choice to have that um, kind of presented so early on. But I think that Philadelphia is particularly using it here to show the competency of Inspector Allen um, to have such a like a potentially big reveal so early on. Um, and I think it's also just to frame the rest of the story to say, yes, there are these weird secret tunnels yeah. that not many people know about. Now think about who would know about them, for example, and now, use that in your reasoning. The, the thing is, is technically we must have no, no more than one secret room or passages, Father Ronald Knox yes. goes. But I feel like considering the fact that we know about them and we're going to probably spend a lot more time in there in the morgue, that there's going to end up being the second secret room or passage. It feels inevitable to me because, you know, for all of the places that the money could have been locked away, hidden, all of that stuff, you know, unless we're just going in and checking everything in the morgue and every nook and cranny, Mm. which is a bit of a bland way to do it, you know, (laughs) like the, 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 weight of the reveal if it ends up being they searched the morgue for 20 minutes and found the money in a bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like in the corner, in the dark corner there. They couldn't yeah, see it because they didn't look there. That seems a bit <laughs> underwhelming relative okay. to something like, you know, they they kicked down the false wall yeah, and yeah. there were the criminals stood yeah. staring wide-eyed back out at them. This novel plays quite strangely with secrets, like secret passageways. And, yeah, yeah. And also the other Noxian rule that is that any information that passes by the detective must be declared to the reader is also broken. He actually picks up a uh, a letter while in the matron's office uh, that we have not learned the contents of. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, in terms of being a fair play mystery, it's it's not as important as just being a good story. It's yeah. one of those detective mysteries. Uh, one of those Contentious. ones. Which Contentious. Is why, which is why I'm the one well, bringing it on. to the table, next of course. Thing, next thing you're going to tell me we've got un, 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 hitherto undiscovered poisons and devices. Next thing no, you're going to tell me that there's not actually a corpse in this murder mystery because no, the matron true. isn't actually no. dead and oh, we're no. breaking Van Dyne's no, rules no, as no, well. Dude, next on. thing you know, there's just going to be a dog just sitting in the tunnel who barks as we walk past just Look, to break an extra Van Dyne rule. If this this novel ends with a dog barking in the tunnels that are like echoes and that's how they like know where the the killer is, (laughs) you can have a thousand points. It's done. I'll just give them to you. Good. (laughs) You deserve it at that point. Good, good. Um, No, I I, I definitely don't think this novel is uh, a Noxian 100% faithful story. Um, Yeah. Which is fine. 
because, you know, it's written in 2018. Look, it's been a long time. It most, has been. It most has of been. those rule writing people are dead anyway. Who cares? Yes. You know, sure. And, you know, it's all very tongue in cheek, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We can discuss Nox and Van Dyne at infinity, and we will continue to. And we do it every episode, every other episode. The, we do. the thing um, I'm concerned about here, Herds, yeah. is that if we get to the end of this book, and I have to say that this mystery isn't fair, yeah. because I feel, I feel like we are nearing that point. There's a yeah. lot of rubbish going on here <laughs> that just, I don't know. Look, Herds. I think you can give it a good crack. And I will. I will on the I next part of the show. I think you can give it an excellent crack. I've heard some of your, your ramblings in your sleep. Uh, <laughs> I've heard some of your, your positive <laughs> thoughts on, on, you know, who might yeah, be the killer yeah, and what yeah. sorts of conspiracy going on. I think they're pretty interesting. So all right, we'll have all right. to, let's see the third part, what's going on there. Well, this is Death of the Reader. We are Flex and Herds on your Murder Mystery World Tour with Stella Duffy and Nio Marsh. Yeah. We are talking chapters 12 to 23 today. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in just a second. Just one second. You're listening to Death of the Reader here on 2SER. We are Flex and Herds. This is your Murder Mystery World Tour, and we are talking Money in the Morgue by Nio Marsh and Stella Duffy. And, oh no. Do you have the money in the bag, Flex? We have reached <laughs> the part of the story. Chapters 12 to 23 today is what we're discussing, and that means it is high time for me to pose a solution yes. and then run for the hills with the money like the matron and the vicar are planning on doing. Oh, I see. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see what you can do here because as mentioned uh, previously, this is quite the tricky little murder. Uh-huh. May not be entirely fair play. There's definitely not Noxian. Definitely not Noxian. Uh, I'll tell you that with, with no hope barred. Have we really done a novel on this show that we have called Not Fair? Like, uh, I, I feel so. like we need a contingency plan, like, printed on the wall, <laughs> just, like, in case of unfair play. Break glass. <laughs> and there's, like, a shotgun. Oh, no. That's not good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll have to see. Look, obviously, I think I think that you are clever enough, and I think that there are enough clues that you can solve uh-huh. certainly the majority of it, and you've, you've, you've you know, you've... I've got, a, I've got a track flex. record. You've got a good track record. I've only you know, lost okay. one point against you so far. Yeah, on a technicality, on a which technicality. I stand by, which I stand by. <laughs> I, and deservedly so. Because folks. you're the rules guy. I will use your technicalities yeah, against no, you, that is sir, fine. until I die. Listen, Herds, um, I am still bitter about it, but I am bitter with understanding. Okay, but uh, it's not, today is it's not, not about, not today is not about technicalities. Well, it will be. It will be. <laughs> maybe next, maybe it will be later. <laughs> But for mur- uh, money in the morgue, I keep wanting to say murder in the morgue. It's not. It's money in the morgue. Um, murder in the room morgue is perhaps one of the first uh, murder mysteries ever written. Yeah, um, we won't spoil that one on the show. We but it's won't. a very, it's a bit of a hairy time, a hairy murder mystery. Carry on, if you know what I say. Carry okay. on. Hurts. <laughs> okay, but it is now time to solve the murder of not the matron the murder of mr brown yes so tell, tell me what you last are. time on the show i was scatterbrained confused scared I running know. for my life i possessed. didn't know who was going who where was going where why yep. was going what yep i think i've got it straight look i'm ready for this i won't you lay down what is the premise of your theory today you think it's two separate crimes Flex? yes the analogy i used last time was that i was on the right path but i didn't know which way i was facing and i was being led about by a stranger mm-hmm. 
and I think I've I think I've at least gotten the blindfold off. I don't know if I've I'm not being led around by a stranger just yet. Mm. So the two crimes I think that have happened is that Mr. Brown has been killed by Sidney Brown. Yep. Over the property of his farm. Okay. And I believe that the matron, who we believe to be the murder victim, is not actually dead okay. and is uh, waltzing around laundering money. So you think that the, the murder in this case is not the presented body. It is, in fact, the body of, of old Mr. Brown, that he's the murder in this murder mystery. I believe so as such. That okay. is the way that we are fulfilling dear sure. uh, Van Dyne's rule, that okay. there must be a corpse. So you believe you believe that the young Sidney Brown has murdered his grandfather? Yes. Um, pray, pray tell why and how. Okay, so last week on the show, I said that it was plainly obvious to me, purely because Sidney Brown was the most suspicious character to get out really? as soon as he left. Okay. Like almost to the point where it was so on the nose that I wasn't sure if I should believe it. Okay, sure. Because he comes out, it's like 45 minutes in with the guy, suddenly he's dead, and then he's like, no, nah, can't, can't stay here. I've got things to attend to in town. Right, right, right. So I thought, I thought that was a little on the nose. Okay. I thought it was a little suspicious. It was obviously framed as I'm such. Su- I'm surprised that you haven't pinged on Rosamund uh, Farson at all. She is the character who immediately identifies the detective as a detective, and then in her in- interrogation, there's nothing but clash wits with him. You don't find her suspicious at all? Not at all. She's the murder mystery fan. Okay. You know, the, the book takes a lot of time, as a lot of Golden Age mysteries do and did, to point out that they are within the genre they are in and going, oh, well, in detective fiction, they tell you that this was happening, but in this book, which is entirely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I believe Rosmond is the, 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 you know, the vector for that joke. Okay, fair um, enough. So what I think has happened... And jokes cannot kill. Exactly. What I think has happened is that the bar where Suki Johnson, okay. the brother of Blakey Farmer Boy... Suki is a is a lady. Suki Johnson is the woman that sorry the sister of, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Blakey. I'm, anyway. That Maurice is apparently sweet on. Yes. So I believe that the quote unquote illegal gambling den that Inspector Allen says he is not here to investigate mm. is in fact the thing he is you know going to end up discovering is the problem here. Okay. In that Sydney, who supposedly while he keeps to himself over at that there bar still is sweet on Sidney Johnson, who is also sweet on by Sanders. There's a big mix up there. I believe that Porset, who is the anti-authoritarian soldier, is blackmailing with a gambling debt. Okay. Dear Sidney Brown. Okay. Into killing his father. Okay. So killing his grandfather. For what purpose? Because, uh... What do you get from killing an old man? The farm. Oh, I see. Which... I'm still not sure which direction that's going in because it seems like Brailing is the one that wants the farm, but Porset is the one that I think is doing the blackmailing. Mm. So something over in their gambling den there has led such that two people are sweet on Suki Johnson. One person wants a farm. Porset's anti-authoritarian. Blakey is receiving signals from a Japanese base because he owns a share in a radio company and has a radio mast up the hill. You said Brailing was sweet on Suki Johnson? No. No? No. Well, how is he figuring in the sun? He seems like the one that would want the farm because he's the one that goes, uh, you know, he's he's the one, like the Maori man who wants to settle yeah, down, he, right? he gets to see his wife for half an hour, apparently, yeah. doing this, these gambling tirades. So I, th- I think that that bundle of people there is the crime. Okay. Is uh, 
So just to, just to lay that out straight I was again. Say, lay that out for me. Sidney Brown killed his grandfather okay. because he was blackmailed by Pawson. Okay. Makes sense. Somehow in that blackmail, I believe the farm is going to probably Brailing. Okay. Uh, and for his family. Yes. And this is over gambling debt, but also probably because Sanders and Sidney Brown are sweet on Suki Johnson. Okay. And I believe that somewhere in there, uh, Blakey, Suki's brother, okay. is uh, is the one receiving the signals at his radio mast up on the hill higher up, okay. uh, higher up the mountain. Cool. So I'm not. I will. I will say I don't know what the whole signals thing is about. It sure. just seems to be there's a war on, and the Japanese are telling us to do a thing. Fair enough. Can you can you nail down among that because you've you've given about like five different characters there you got Suki Johnson, Duncan Blakey or whatever and all these different soldiers. Yes. Wh- which out of those do you think are the bad eggs? Pawsit. Pawsit. Just Pawsit. Yeah, I. Okay. I don't know with Brailing and Sanders. Like okay. obviously, they're not exactly morally straight characters. Okay. But I think that the one that we are going to be pointing fingers at the end is going to be Pawsit because he's the anti-authoritarian. He's the guy that comes in and it's like, oh, you know, I've never been much of a yes sir, no sir guy. Fair enough. Like, fair enough. I feel like we're leaning on that whole thing there. And then, you know, Sidney Brown's obviously killed his father, but I feel like it's Pawsit <laughs> that's talked him into that. Okay. What about uh, Duncan Blakey and Suki Johnson? Do you think they're bad eggs? Do you think they're in on this? Or I feel like it's going to end they... up that Blakey is like the spy or whatever, okay. but he hasn't really featured enough to, to my mind. Well, to, he doesn't exist in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's an off screen character. He's mm. probably going to be the guy we meet down in the tunnels later. Who's like, what me? No. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't have much to go on there. And again, that's kind that's of fine. just like the, Hey, there's a war on I'm okay. the spy kind of thing. So you think that, uh, Sydney Brown, Bob Porsett and, and Blakey. Yes. Are like doing a crime. Killing a killing an old man and getting a farm. Yes, uh, and you think that the matron is faking her death for some reason? I what's believe. On, what's we, on the other side? You, you were saying last week that I didn't suspect a gossip or uh, sister comfort at all. Mm. Which between this and last week's episode, I was a, I was a little concerned. I was like, you know what? He's right. Those characters have said a lot of things. It's true. But what I think Herds is going on is the classic, the classic detective fiction maneuver that the character who is not suspicious is explaining this, the actually bad character's motive. Okay. So Glossop and Sister Comfort are constantly complaining that they don't have enough resources. It's mm. very hard to get things happening. You know, they're out in the country. It's very lonely. Mm. There's not enough money to go around for Glossop's ideas and projects, that sort of thing. Mm. I think that is the motive for what the matron and the vicar are doing. Do you think it's strange at all that Sister Comfort, despite apparently being the strongest personality in the hospital, is just going along with whatever Alan wants? I think it's, I just think it's very funny that you haven't figured her in at all to your solution. It's difficult for me to say because part of me wants to just pin that as being like, she is a woman who is good at her job and the, you know, the strong part of her character is her just like being the powerhouse there okay. that, you know, she's used to dealing with a bunch of damn soldiers and she has to put on a strong face for them. And, you know, obviously she's a very strong character even when she's not around the soldiers, but I don't see a lot happening with her. Yeah, sure. I'm like, 
I'm I'm torn because if I'm wrong, it's going to be her that I'm wrong about, and I yeah. know that. Well, that's that's why I'm poking on you, right? That's why I'm poking with your your thoughts there because she's a character who sensibly has a very significant you know role in the story. Yeah. She's the person who would take charge after after the matron has passed. Yeah, right. And she's the character who everyone says, you know, oh, I'd rather deal with Bix or the matron than that sister comfort. Yeah. Um, she's also the first person spotted on on the scene of the crime. She's spotted around the porch, kind mm. of looking over the office, like. It's very interesting that you've just completely neglected her. You don't yeah. think she could be the killer or if the, she has some relation to crime here? Absolutely not. If she is involved, my opinion is going to be that she has been told what the matron is doing, why the matron is doing it, and is making it happen because she believes it's for the right reasons. Mm. And also, you know, she's going to be the one that takes over in the end. Be that her being corrupt and wanting power, but power in a country a country hospital there's not, there's not much power to go around there's not a lot of that there that's fine so i i think i think that you know her character is loyal to her duty and if she knows about the crime she is probably a willing if reluctant accomplice okay but i imagine it's more that you know she is a, again a vector for something else in the story she is a vector for the frustrations that have led the matron and the vicar to do what they're going to do all right which is that they are trying to basically embezzle the payslips yep. from uh, from Glossop. Why would they do that? To fund the hospital. Oh, I see. How are they going to do that if they're criminals? I have no clue, okay. but I cannot see any other damn reason in this story. And this, if it is accurate, is the thing that I'm most concerned about when it comes to fair play. Because these characters are generous. These characters fill their roles. And I just, like, is, are we going to get to the end and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to run away with this money and pay some people to come fix the hospital? And what? Nobody is going to ask where the hospital got all this money from? I don't know. I don't understand, Herds. But this is the way that the book is leading me down this path now. The It's gone from you being the stranger guiding me by the hand to the book and... I don't know. I think you've gone mad. I think you've gone about as mad as I was during the last the last it, book that we did. Um, it's it's just it's so obvious that it's the vicar and the matron, but like all that they are is nice to people. Yeah, <laughs> I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Hurts. Flex, I can see you've gone red. You've gone slightly bad. I think you have a case of the. I don't know, the insanities. We're gonna have to put you in hospital soon. Well, anyway. So yeah, I think that the matron, the matron took the draft that Hughes mentions in his interrogation. I think that all of this is to do with them being kind people, and you know, always being a shoulder to lean on. For example, with Hughes with his night terrors, and the vicar being there mm. for all of the soldiers. But I just uh, herds. Yeah. I just... That's right. I feel like you, you put forward a theory. That's all I could ask There have you. been many times on this show. <laughs> there have been many times it on this show. It comes out. Here we go. And the show that we did before this one. Yeah. Uh, that I have said something along the lines of, I think this is what it is, but I hope it is not going to be. And the majority of those times, I have either been wrong or ended up being dragged around to liking it. Okay. Not once... Have I ever got, have I ever gotten to a solution, been right about it, and disappointed by it? Fair enough. So either I'm wrong, or I'm going to like it, or Stella Duffy and Nio Marsh have achieved something new. Yep, yep. I agree. I agree with everything you've just said. There. And I really hope 
that it is I'm going Look, to be made to like it. I want to let you because know because I don't want to be wrong. I want to let you know that I had some similar situations in this novel where I thought that that can't possibly be that obvious. That's ludicrous. That's insane. <laughs> but I kind of love the ending to this novel. All right. And I hope that you, as you read through the last 14 chapters of this novel, uh, will enjoy it and come to love the beautiful mess that you're about to to uncover. Oh, good. I know it's been excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you've you've laid it out pretty mm-hmm. concretely. You want to go over it one more time before we please uh, the good people? Uh, no, just in case I contradict <laughs> myself. Just in case. Just like, in case. Like, actually, no, it's not this. Yeah, so. next week, chapters yeah. 24 to 37, and maybe the last time I appear on the show. This may, be, this may be the peak. This might be the death of you. Well, look forward to next week uh, for more Money in the Morgue by Naomi Marsh and Stella Duffy. We have Flex and Herds. This is Death of the Reader, and we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.